This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Betty's Bakery. Head on over for one of our famous gingerbread men, made with Grandma Findelmeyer's secret seasoning. Betty's Bakery, serving hot and warm since 1954. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are... And it's Christmas time on Pod Cemetery. We're kicking it off with two incredible films, 1980's To All a Good Night and 2005's Ginger Dead Man. We're going to do a couple weeks of Christmas films. Uh, if there are any other seasonal holiday films that you want to see, recommend them to us because we're starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel. We're going to be reaching out in future holiday seasons. This is also a recommendation. This one is, well, one of them is. Mm -hmm. To All a Good Night is one we found. Yes. Kicking off our holiday season is 1980's To All a Good Night, directed by David Hess and written by Alex Rebar, starring Jennifer Runyon, Forrest Swanson, Kiva Lawrence, and William Lauer. Jennifer Runyon, you may recognize because we just saw her on this show in Ghostbusters. She is the test subject from the beginning of Ghostbusters. Yes. That Venkman's trying to get with. Yes. She is basically the main character of the movie. Yeah, she is the final girl. Insofar as there are any real archetypes in this movie. <laughs> anyway, what is To All a Good Night about? A group of high school girls at a finishing school, four girls, are there for the winter break for some reason. Yeah. And they have invited a group of boys to come and spend the weekend with them, even though... It's against the rules. Yeah, and like, I don't know how they were planning on getting we'll away with it in the first place. It. We'll get into it. There's going to be a killer on the loose. A killer Santa, to be precise. Yes. And that's about all it has to do with Christmas. <laughs> yeah. There's like nothing Christmassy about this movie whatsoever. No. Which is a little bit of a bummer to find out. This movie's pretty bad. We just saw the god-awful Amityville Playhouse, which was terrible. Like, just so terrible, unbelievably bad. Terrible. We both gave it zeros. This is better than that, but it not is. by much. The acting is... Pretty bad. Well, the acting exists. People are acting. Yes. As opposed to Amityville Playhouse, where... They've just memorized lines and they're reciting them, but there's like no acting going on whatsoever in that movie. Yes. <laughs> That's how bad it is. So this this is better than that, but the bar that Amityville Playhouse sets is on the floor. Yes. It's in hell. <laughs> I wrote several times, oh my God, the acting. Well, oh real quick. Oh my God, the acting. Real quick. The movie is available with subscriptions to Paramount Plus, Epics, AMC Plus, 
DirecTV, Shutter, and Spectrum On Demand. I guess you can't rent or buy it anywhere. At least my resources don't say you can. Should people watch To All a Good Night? No. 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 I mean... The ending is kind of crazy. Okay, well, yeah, the ending has some stuff to talk about. But, (laughs) again, this is just a bad movie. And not in a fun way. Like many movies are. Like we talked about it last week with Amityville Playhouse. Is it so bad it's fun? And it's not. This isn't fun just because it has like, I wrote down one of my notes is this movie just has no soul. Like there's nothing to it. It doesn't feel anything and it doesn't really want you to feel anything. I mean, I I assume it expects you to be scared at any point, <laughs> but there's just, it's just a nothing burger of a movie. <laughs> Unfortunately. And yet it has a lot in common with a couple of movies. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll get into it. We recommend that you do not watch the movie. You can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 1980s To All a Good Night. It was the start of Christmas vacation. A few were staying, and they planned to have one hell of a good time. TJ is coming up with a few of his friends tonight. The dean of the school was away, so the girls decided to invite their boyfriends. It was against school regulations. But they were always very good at breaking the rules. This time, they'll wish they hadn't. Santa came to kill. What the hell are you doing up here in that dumb outfit? Even the police didn't suspect Santa Claus. Oh, Tom, take that bloody mask off. Take me to bed. No one suspected Santa Claus. He was hunting for blood. He was everywhere. What kind of a crazed mind was killing and mutilating his victim? There was no one to help. No one at all. They died. Merry Christmas to all. <laughs> and to all a good night. <laughs> all right, Kelsey, get us started. How does To All a Good Night begin? Tells us that it's a Calvin finishing school for girls. Christmas vacation. Apparently, girls stay here during Christmas vacation all the time. I assume it's because they have rich parents who... Yeah. Don't give a fuck about them. They're on they're on vacation in some other country or something. Who knows? This is two years ago, it says. Two years ago, yeah. And the way that they decide to tell us that it's two years ago is by making the lens all foggy and misty. Yeah, I don't know if it's Vaseline or some sort of filter, but it's got this really blurry vignetting around the outside of... The shot. Except that it in isn't outside the shot. Yes, it's it is almost all of the shot. I would say the blurriness takes up, surface area-wise, more of the shot than the actual focus does. Yes. It's it's drastic vignetting. And then we get this scene that is all of 10 seconds long <sighs> and then cut to present day. So what happens in this scene? 
to some crazy-ass music, because the music in this movie is bizarre. It's uh-huh. got all kinds of, like, weird little sounds, but then it's, like, techno. I don't know. It's We see a girl being chased after well, by a group of girls. Well, yeah, let's just be clear a little bit, because the movie isn't. It's just a bunch of girls screaming and running, and one of them has an axe. It's just a mob of girls. And I guess one girl is being chased. I got that impression. I did not. I had no clue what the fuck was happening. But you know why I probably had that idea? Why? Because of a little movie called Prom Night. Yes. So the girl who's being chased runs into a bedroom and then runs out on a balcony and there's another girl out there. And then she just runs over the edge of the balcony. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it becomes a body, like a... Oh, a, a really bad... A really bad doll. Puppet doll thing. Yeah, that falls through the air. It's, it's really terrible. half of a second. It yeah, was, you, you it, can you, barely see you it. You didn't but even need it. It's so bad. It's just so obviously a doll. And then everyone's like, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. She's dead. And then end of... Flashback. And a flashback. Like, when I say it's like 10 seconds long, yes, I'm being dramatic. But it is super short. Yeah. And we get no context for anything. That's exactly what I was going to say. But what's happening here, Kelsey? We're getting set up for the revenge killing that's going to take place two years later for some reason. Because this is a prank gone wrong. It's another movie that starts with the prank gone wrong. But Kelsey, when did Prom Night come out? came out the same year, right? Yeah. But it came out after this. It did. This came out at the beginning of 1980. That's going to be important for the ending, too. <laughs> so right away, it starts off with what will eventually become a trope of the prank gone wrong that starts a horror movie. Did Terror Train come out before this? I mean, it's not the same kind of prank. Right. Terror Train and Prom Night both came out in 1980. They both start with a prank gone wrong. (laughs) Surely we mentioned this in the episode when we covered those movies. (laughs) We are fans of both, but especially fans, I think, of Terror Train. Love Terror Train. Yeah. Prom Night is just bizarre. It's bizarre. We didn't hate it. (laughs) We didn't hate it. But, yeah, this one's no good. Even (laughs) though, like, chronologically... It was released first, but again... Even before Terror Train? Yeah, so To All a Good Night, even though it is a Christmas movie, came out at the end of January in 1980, and then Prom Night was in July of that year, and Terror Train was in October of that year. None of these came out in the right month. Right, because (laughs) this is a month late. Yep. Prom Night is also roughly a month or two Late, depending Mm -hmm. on when your school ends, right? And then Terror Train was like two months early. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. For the season that they're supposed to take place in. (laughs) But yeah, this before those, I don't know what the first movie that started with a prank gone wrong was. Right. But this is before like the big named ones. Mm -hmm. And the music continues to be terrible throughout the film. And we are told that it is Christmas vacation, the present. So they're all sitting down. Remember, this is important, okay? These are a bunch of rich white girls. Like, that's kind of part of the plot, okay? So when I keep saying that, don't think that I'm just being annoying. 
So it's a bunch of rich white girls. And I love that there's a Buddha statue in the middle of all of them. Well, that's the other thing about this house is it's like a mansion as, you know, these sort of uh, locations are, you know, like a sorority house or something else like that. They're just giant mansions of a house where lots of young women live together as opposed to like a single family. But there's shit everywhere. There is a full suit of armor. <laughs> that you can get into, yeah. by the way. A crossbow, an that axe. That works. Yeah, no. That's they, sharp. Yeah, so this this is like full of like things that not only is it a mansion where if a single family lived here, it'd be a rich family, let alone a dozen young girls who all come from rich families, but it's furnished like a rich family lives there. Mm-hmm. So remember that these are just girls, just alone together, okay? But this one chick, I guess the guys are coming over, but she's going to change her clothes. I don't know if she knows the guys are coming over. She's got her boobs just hanging out of her shirt. And I'm like, girls don't yeah. just hang out together like that. This is the British one. Who, that's the only name I wrote down was the British one. Uh, was she actually British? I felt like her or was accent that, went in and out. Or was that Melody just doing a British accent? I couldn't tell. Because Melody's kind of the slutty one. They you know all, what I mean? Yeah, I think it was Melody. Yeah. Although it's, this girl's a bitch in this scene and I thought Melody wasn't mm -hmm. a bitch. I don't know. And we're going to be losing people left and right. There, this movie is just so indiscriminate with its killing. It's not terrifying. It's just, well, oops, there goes another one. You know what I mean? Yes, and it's very difficult to remember who these girls are. As we said, they're very interchangeable. They are all, as, and I'm going to quote a character from the film, pompous bitches. With all those rich little pompous bitches. Was the writer a man? Yes. Yeah. Does not surprise me uh -huh. in any way. There's... Yeah. No character development. They are just pompous bitches. Like, they're mean to each other. Like, they're calling each other fat. And I was like, dude, dude, that chick would not be calling that chick fat. That doesn't make any sense. And that's why I was like, this was written by a man. Yeah, there's Th only like, one. Men do not understand women. There's only one young woman here with any sort of decency. And she is a meek little mouse. Yes. And that is our main character. And she, guys... We are supposed to root for the fact that she's going to get the nerdy one who's obviously going to make the most money and all, and I think he survives. But we're supposed to be happy that he goes and sleeps with the slut so that he can get that out of his system so that then he can be this knight in shining armor for this girl. And I'm just like, a man wrote this. A man wrote this. None of this makes sense. Yeah, totally. That's Trisha. So she is the British one. It's not Melody. I'm looking at photos and seeing what the actress credited is. And this is this is Trisha is the British one played by Angela Bath. You want to know a movie that has a bunch of women in it that was written in the 70s? And Black Christmas? Yes. One of our favorites? That actually understands how women relate to each other. It's so good. I love Black Christmas. It's so good. And guys that try to treat women shitty are villainized. Hooray. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> but anyway, oh yeah, point out that the nerdy guy who gets our main character sort of gets, in mm-hmm. quotes, our main character, he doesn't get her until he becomes a horn dog. After he sleeps with Melody. Well, now he's a man. Now he's a man, yeah, and, he, and he's all confident and chasing after her, our main character. Whoever wrote this should never write another movie. Has this person written anything else? He has. This is Alex Rebar. Why do I know that name? Well, Rebar is a thing. Oh. <laughs> and it sounds like James Remar. Oh. But, no, not. He's written a handful of things. He's written eight things. Four shorts in 2000, so half of his credits are shorts in the year 2000 entitled Sex, Pain, and Murder. Oh, my God. And there's four installments in that. Oh, my God. Castration, Elation, Sex Ain't All That, The Girls Next Door, and Range of Change. And then he wrote, in reverse chronological order, Nowhere to Hide, Demented, To All a Good Night, and Beyond the Door, he's credited as a collaborating writer. I think that's on our list, or someone recommended it or something. Yeah. But he's only a collaborating writer on that. And then six years later, he writes his first actual credited screenplay of this. He didn't make much more after this. Yeah, no. And he shouldn't have. There are a few things you need to know going on in this house. There are a few main characters, but mostly you need to know Jennifer Runyon is Nancy, the quiet, meek, nice girl. Uh, There's Melody, the sort of... I, I mean... I, oh, she's the original Nancy, by the way. Oh, yeah, she's also Nancy, yeah. Uh, there's Melody, who we've been calling the quote-unquote slut, but I guess that would be the other one, the British one. And, and we're not... We don't mean we that. We don't feel that yeah, way. Yeah, we it's don't actually the mean that. That's she's the character written. she's supposed to be. Tom, will you stop messing around and seduce me like a man? Take me to bed. I actually think she's hilarious. There's Leah... Who is spelled like Princess Leia, but they all call her Leah. Mm-hmm. Played by Judith Bridges, who's sort of like the domineering one. She's the one that kind of runs the show and kind of coaxes everyone into doing the things that they're going to do. Oh, we're going to invite these boys. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You're going to poison. The crazy girl? Yes. This crazy girl, man. This she is, is bizarre. This is Leah. I the think, redhead. I, I think that there was a tiny bit of character development here. like Not she, much. But what I mean is, is that she's been so neglected and ignored her entire life that she's kind of gone off the deep end. You think? By like her parents, like she's just been shipped off to boarding schools yeah, her okay, whole life. Yeah, fair enough. And so like she's always had to be really loud and weird yes. and obnoxious and, and doing crazy things to get attention because she doesn't get anything from her parents. Uh-huh. And that's why she goes nuts. She will go nuts later. And there's Mrs. Jensen, played by Kiva Lawrence, who I thought was the house mother, but Kelsey's telling me differently. I believe she is just like the chef or like the housemaid. Okay. Because as far as I remember, she explains that the house mother is going to be gone for the weekend. Mrs. Calvin called. She won't be back until after the weekend. In the meantime... I'll be looking out after you. Which is why Leah is super excited. She's like, oh, I couldn't have planned this any better. My boyfriend and his friends are coming. And even though I had no plan for how this was going to work out in the first place, now it's going to work out perfectly. Because that chick 
as she will say later, this is a quote from her, doesn't know her way outside of a kitchen. Like, the only thing she knows how to do is cook. Mm-hmm. She's excited because she's like, we can drug her super easily, and she'll be an idiot, and she won't know what's going on, and we'll be fine. So that's what was so confusing to me. Because you never fucking see the house mother then. If she's not the house mother, you never see her. You never see her. So, like, movie, get your shit together. I don't think I'm at fault for misinterpreting this because there's one older woman watching over all these young kids and they're talking about the plans for the house mother to go away for the weekend. And I seem to remember she said she was leaving because she does. She leaves at one point in the movie. I thought that was her leaving for the weekend like they said the house mother would. If that's the case, then the movie is even worse than I thought. (laughs) It sure is. Anyway, Mrs. Jensen is there. And who else? There's... There's a bunch of girls. I don't know the names. There are a bunch of girls that... Who the fuck knows? (laughs) And there's Ralph, who is like their gardener handyman guy. You're doomed! Yes, he is that one. The harbinger. There's evil here. I can feel it. The, The devil's here. He's a little dim. He's also apparently a convicted criminal did they say that yeah that's what the police officer says is it yeah i did some checking on kramer he spent time in a mental hospital two accounts of armed robbery assault with a deadly weapon he didn't exactly hang around with a gentle crowd i did not hear after that. he dies yeah he's also super religious he's gonna beg nancy to pray you must pray Pray so the devil won't claim you for one of his own. Yeah, he's a red herring, because you're supposed to think that he's the murderer. And very obviously a red herring. Like, very obviously a red herring. So, people are going to start dropping like flies almost immediately. This first night... Well, hold on. Let's talk about how we get introduced to our killer. Okay, yes. No, this is important. Go ahead. There are gloves, Uh so we can never see the hands. Uh Uh-huh. Which makes you think, oh, the hands would be a dead giveaway. Yes. But always. not really. But not. But they're not. That's not the case. There's something else going on here. Okay, go ahead. We're going to tell you the twist right now. Because there's a lot of weird things that happen and inconsistencies. Tell us what we need to know, Kelsey. Mrs. Jensen is of Mrs. Voorhees. Yes, she is. Friday the 13th didn't come out until May of the same year. So... Close enough as to they couldn't, I mean, I I suppose they could be copying each other because these horror movies tend to have short turnaround times, but it's not a lot of wiggle room here. I just think it was early on and it did a lot of things first, but it did them really poorly. And other movies that came later, even later in the same year, did some of this stuff a whole lot better. So Mrs. Jensen, like you say, is our Pamela Voorhees. Why does she want to kill these kids? Well, as they're going to show us here with the killer, there is a picture of the girl who died. And the way that they're going to tell you it's her, because you have no way of knowing that it's her, except for you might be guessing it is, because obviously that's what I was doing. But you, the audience, especially in 1980, would have had no fucking idea who that was, because the 10-second intro... 
yeah, in a flood you- of young women, you're supposed to pick out the one who you don't even know is the one that died because by the time she falls off the railing, she's a puppet and then you never see her face again. And then- so like <laughs> And when they show you this picture of her, they how they show you that it's her is they overlap it with a picture of the girl right before she fell. And you're looking Which at these two pictures and you're like, wait a minute, is that the same person? Yeah, it's a weird it picture. it doesn't look like her at all. I'm fairly certain it is her. I imagine that it is, but it doesn't look like her. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, they, there's a list. You can't see it. You can't see who's on the list, but it's pretty easy to imagine who's on the list. Yes. Although the list doesn't make any sense by the end of the film. Right. And there's a big red marker and they're marking people off. And you think that that's going to become a, a trope? Checking it twice. Exactly. But this never, never comes referenced ever again. back yes, up. Never referenced again. And here's the biggest problem. Well, two problems to point out right away. Number one. She's Mrs. Jensen, which means the young girl would have also been Jensen. They never mentioned that the girl who died is her daughter, other than the fact that they never mentioned that her name is Jensen. Yeah. It's because it rhymes. Yes. In her office is a picture of the girl, but I just imagined it was because, again, I thought she was the house mother, has a picture of the girl that died in the house two years prior. I was wondering if it was another red herring. I, I knew that they could easily explain it away that, you know, I keep that up in memory of her. Right. That's but, what I thought. But I was, I definitely thought it it's a red herring. I'm supposed to think that she's the killer. And then she was. And I was so mad. I was like, what? You just wanted to tell your audience who the killer was? Yeah. And there's a lot of moments just like this one where I wrote down in my notes. Okay. So the killer's already in the house. And it can't be any of the girls at the table in the beginning. So I'm marking off the list of who it cannot be. Now, that includes Mrs. Jensen, who's cooking dinner. So if Mrs. Jensen is the killer, Kelsey, how do we see Santa making a list and checking it twice? Can you tell me? I'll give you a hint. Okay. There's another killer. (laughs) There's a second killer. It's a scream situation, baby. There are two killers. It's a scream, baby. (laughs) It's a scream, baby. So, okay. Lots of things going on here. You will notice that it is required in order for Mrs. Jensen to be the killer. There must be another killer. And not just for this scene, but because the killer will teleport. And you'll just chalk it up to it being a bad movie. The killer will spend an inordinate amount of time just digging graves and burying bodies. And it's like, how the fuck long would it take you to do that? Just out in the open and everything. Well, that's because it's not Mrs. Jensen doing those things. Yes. In any particular scene, it's one or the other of the killers. Which is stupid. Because you think the movie's terrible the whole time. Yeah, well, and then at the end, they give you a reason, and then you're like, oh, no, that's just as bad. Yeah, it's just as stupid. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So anyway. So, all right. The first girl to die is going to be named Cynthia. Yes. Cynthia. She's not the first person to die in modern times. Paul is. Her boyfriend. Yes. Okay. But let me tell you a little bit about Cynthia. Uh-huh. Cynthia lies and tells them all that she, I mean, tells her friends to tell the chef that she is sick and that she's gone to bed early. Okay? 
Not so. She's doing just fine. She's standing up in the window naked waiting for her boyfriend. Paul. You might be thinking, I guess they're gonna get it on. That's not what's happening. Paul is coming to pick her up for a date, I guess. Yep. And she's standing there naked in the window. And you're thinking, oh, is she trying to be all sexy for him? She doesn't even know he's out there. She doesn't know he's there? He doesn't know she's there. That's just what she does. You know, women, (laughs) how often you just go topless in front of windows? Just Just because you're oblivious? And he's shouting at her, hurry up, hurry up. Yes. And you're just so confused as the audience member because you're like, why doesn't he see her standing there naked? Why doesn't she hear him or see him? I am confused. So Paul is the first to be killed by this murderer. Right. And that also makes this list situation make no sense. Paul ain't on the fucking list. So anyway, he gets grabbed. And the killer is holding a knife, but we never see Paul get stabbed. We assume he's dead. He never shows up again. It's very safe to say he is dead. They just didn't have the budget to have that kill. No, he is killed because... No, he's grabbed and held there and like slammed on the ground and the killer has a knife, but it cuts away before he's ever stabbed. He's just held there for a little bit. Oh. And then Cynthia comes out front to meet Paul And she gets stabbed right outside the front door. Yeah. What? Uh, Okay. This killer just has free reign of this property. Yes. Nobody ever looks outside to see him just in the front yard digging graves. (laughs) Yeah, it's bizarre. I don't know where any of this is supposed to be taking place. And I don't know why anyone doesn't see any of this happening. Another reason Mrs. Jensen can't be the killer is that the Santa totally overpowers young Paul. Yeah. Young strapping Paul. And is able to, you know, pick up bodies and bury them and all that. So, Uh yes, it's it's absurd that it would be her. But I would like to point out that while Cynthia and her boyfriend are being killed, the girls are sitting at the dinner table enjoying the hell out of the stew and cherry pie, Uh by the way. But they are talking about... How the boys are coming. Oh, God. Bless whoever built that airstrip. God bless airplanes. (laughs) Yeah, that's the same concept. What was I supposed to get out of this conversation? Why is she upset with this girl? Why does she say airplanes instead of airstrip? I'm so confused. I don't know. I didn't get that she was angry. I thought she was just like adding on to the joke or whatever. But yes, they're going to be flying in and they fly in into like the middle of a park. I don't think there's actually a landing strip anywhere. No, I think we see them. Do we? On a landing strip. Okay. Yeah, I think because, you know, they're rich girl, rich pompous bitches. Yes. And they're going to get visited by rich jackass dicks. Yes. But so mousy. Nancy. Nancy. I have to remember, she's the original Nancy, guys. (laughs) Nancy is looking out the window and she's like, I think I saw something. Or no, she says, I know I saw it because they don't believe her. Like, it's bizarre. She's like, I think I saw something. And they're like, what? No, you didn't. She's like, yes, I did. I know I did. And she gets all up in arms about it. And they're like, no, you fucking did it. It's like, why would they not believe her? Right. It's a weird thing not to believe. Uh Uh-huh. But so then I love that she's just like, I know I saw it. I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Then there is the chef's friend. 
a, who, who, who just works comes at another by. house or something. I don't know. Because they call her Mrs. Something or Other. Yes. And uh, Leah deliberately mispronounces her name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very obviously, they don't like her. She does not like them. Yeah. She's the one who calls them bitches. And it's hilarious because I wrote down, after this lady comes in and she's talking and the girls are being just terrible to her. Just, I mean, they were already being terrible to one another. Now they're uh -huh. being terrible to this lady. And she's talking about how, like, death is no stranger to me. I've had three dead husbands. And then this girl says something really rude to her. And I wrote down, why is everyone a bitch? Yeah. And then in the next scene, she says... Stop taking care of these rich, pompous bitches. <laughs> you shouldn't be working here, Ruth, with all those rich, little, pompous bitches. And I was like, oh, I get it. Again, I was like, ah, a man wrote this. Uh -huh. I understand now. Mm -hmm. So, Leah convinces Nancy to give the drugged warm milk to Mrs. Jensen. They're not going to, like, kill her or... Or make her hallucinate or anything. They're like sleeping pills or something. They want her to go to bed. They're basically roofying her. Because these boys are coming over. They do. And she does go to bed. But I don't know that she ever actually drinks the milk. She does not see her drink the milk. Yeah. She fails in her mission. She hands it to her and then the lady just sits it down. Uh-huh. Says thank you. This is where we can see the picture of the dead girl on the wall. Mm -hmm. The guys come over and we get... There are two main guy characters. There's TJ, he's like the alpha, and he is Leah's man. And then there's Alex, who's the nerd virgin. Who's going to get with... Melody. Okay. And then eventually Nancy. And then there's the other guy. There are like two other guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and there's the pilot, who TJ is a total asshole to. Yes. And they never explain why. He's like his dad's buddy. He saved his life. He saved his dad's life or whatever, and so now he's his dad's pilot. And so they are going to tell him, you're not coming. And the girls are like, we have room. And he's like, no, you don't, or whatever. You're staying I don't. here. Yeah, you're staying here with the plane. And... No expectation as to when they're going to come back. This guy is going to camp at this plane for two nights, <laughs> ultimately. Yeah. So anyway. But it's important that they're dressed like Santa, because later the boys are not going to think anything of it when they see somebody dressed as Santa. Yeah. Because they were dressed as Santa. But it's Santa in a mask. Yes. So. It's very unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So they all go back and they hang out and they party and they fuck. Before anybody goes to bed, everybody's still very much awake and alive. Oh, is this the British chick? I think so. The one who gets killed in front of the refrigerator? Yes. Yes, that is the British chick. She gets killed that way. Yes. She gets her throat slashed or something in front of the refrigerator and just leaves the refrigerator door open and then there's blood on the floor. And they're going to later say, oh, the groundskeeper guy, he must have just let, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Blood. Fast Ralph probably cut himself with the shears. Nobody seems concerned. This girl was, this girl went to go and get beer, and then she just never comes back. And so yeah. the guy's like, I guess I'll go get her. And they're, they're not like, what the fuck is going on? No. He just goes to get her. And then he never comes back. He so they're like, oh, I guess they must be having sex. Yeah. Oh, they must have gone somewhere, like gone out to a bar or something. I don't know. But that guy who's looking for her gets his head smashed with a giant rock with a boulder or whatever. 
Uh, and then the killer Santa takes their time to bury them. We've not the first time I've seen this. The Harbinger has uh, approached Nancy a couple of times at this point. Eh. Keeps telling her that there's evil here. He can feel it. Oh, and TJ's the guitar guy at the party. I forgot about that. (laughs) He plays guitar and he's terrible. He even says his singing sucks. (laughs) Vagabond. Tell him what it is to run away. Vagabond. Running only makes you see, running only makes you see, your answer is another lonely day. I don't sing so good. But you know, he's that guy. The whole hangout comes to a grinding halt while we just sit and stare at you while you play guitar. Yes. But it works apparently because Leah loves him. Well. Not Leah, it's the other chick. Until she gets bored. Melody. No, I thought that, no, that's a different guy with a different chick. Oh, they die too then, I yes, guess. Yes, they right? do. Yeah. We just haven't gotten there I just yet. haven't written it down. So, oh, yes, yes. Suit of armor. Yes. Okay. They're yeah. the suit of armor ones. So anyway. First of all, Melody decides to deflower Alex. Alex. And he is acting like he is totally not into this. Like he is uncomfortable and it's really inappropriate that she is proceeding with this. Right. But he is what we sort of kind of come to learn or grok from all of this is that he is really into her and he really does want to have sex. He's just super nervous and because he's a virgin and he doesn't know what he's doing. And all he needs to do is just stick his penis in a vagina once and then he becomes a different man. <laughs> and so Melody and him... Have sex on the world's smallest bed. (laughs) It's around this time that we get that the Santa is burying the bodies in case you were wondering where the bodies are. But a couple of them are being left out and left for them to find. Well, he's going to behead somebody later and leave the head out. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't under like I don't understand what some of these decisions are. Also, though, I love that when she goes to take him to have sex for the first time, she says it's time for your advanced course in relativity. Like, that's supposed to be some sort of killer sexual innuendo. And it's not, like, I guess, I mean, when you're talking about sex, you don't want to think about relatives. Like, I understand it's supposed to be, like, relations. I don't know. Sexual relations relativity, I guess. Anyway. So, this other chick is going after the guy with the guitar. You know oh the guy. Oh, my God. And she, she makes She says, you're going to have to catch me first. I'm the fastest girl in school. <laughs> and then he teases her for being a slut, like, fastest. Oh, is and that she's what? like, that's not what I meant. Oh. <laughs> you're going to have to catch me first. I'm the fastest girl in school. Yeah, I'll die. That wasn't what I meant. It'll do, won't it? Well, she absolutely does want to have sex with <laughs> yes, him. Uh-huh. But yes, she's going to make him chase her around. And uh, he says to her, you're going to wear me down and then I'll be no use to you. But it doesn't matter because uh-huh. he's going to be killed by a person in a coat of arms. So meanwhile, Nancy is going for milk. She's drinking milk out of a stemmed glass because they're trying to paint a picture here, you see, <laughs> of how innocent and pure she is. 
And she's just wandering around aimlessly on the veranda. It sounds like somebody's crying in the background. While her friends inside fuck. And there is, like Kelsey says, this moaning that at first she thought somebody was being killed inside, right? That's what you thought it was? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was like, no, I think that was just supposed to be sex sounds. And they're really bad sex sounds. So this is one of the girls having sex with one of the guys inside in one of the rooms just on the floor. Not like a bedroom. <laughs> like in the study. Yeah. And she in does an open say, room. She does say we shouldn't do it here. I forget how he convinces her to. And we see this coat of armor, and I'm like, there's no fucking way the killer's in that, right? <laughs> because he would have to just be standing there. Perfectly still while they fuck and let them have sex until the moment that the movie, like he knew there was a movie being made and he was like, oh, this would be perfect timing. And he ends up shooting the dude through the back of the head with a crossbow, like right as they're kissing, which is also kind of a cool effect, actually. Because they like pull away from each other and then like the crossbow bolt like comes out his mouth. So that was kind of cool. And then he beheads her with an axe. I don't even remember these characters' names. Nope. But, but that happened. Her head is going to come back later. Yes. Shoved on a shower shoved head. Shoved in the shower head for some <laughs> reason. Don't know. But yes, meanwhile, Nancy's just wandering around aimlessly outside. And she glass. And she doesn't pay any attention when the girl screams because she just figures they're having sex. Yep. yep. So he takes more time, the killer. Out of the armor, but still in the Santa suit. So did the killer get out of the armor and then into the Santa suit? Or was he wearing a Santa suit inside the armor? Or are they two different? The two different killers? Are they two different killers at this point? I mean, you think that wearing a suit of armor and swinging an axe would have been... Heavy. Yeah. The support killer. But also there's the Santa that buries them, which we also understand to be the support killer. So like, okay... Still, even with two killers, it doesn't make too much sense. Nope. But yes, takes time out of their day, out of their busy night of murder, <laughs> to bury more bodies. Yes. So, eventually, it becomes morning time, and the guys are still there. And Miss Jensen's like, you boys really shouldn't be here, it's against the rules. But she's pretty cool with it. Now, we know now that she's a killer. But at the time, I was like, wait, what were they so worried about? They, when she says it's against the rules, they just ignore her anyway. So, like, what's the drugging all about? Well, because their story is that his plane crashed or whatever. His uh -huh. plane, like, ran out of fuel or whatever, which makes no fucking sense. But that's their story. So the idea is not that they were supposed to be there having sex with these girls. It means that they were there accidentally. Right. I fucking don't understand it. It's and, stupid. And yes, they just left the pilot alone with the plane overnight, and we're not going to see him again until not this morning, but the next morning. There's going to be another night. Yes. So anyway, I have my next note written down. So now the nerd's a horn dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now he's going to chase after Nancy. Yes. <laughs> Literally chase after uh -huh. her, which is going to cause her to, to trip find and fall the gardener. Over Ralph. Who just, for whatever reason, when she trips over him, he 
pops up at his waist. <laughs> yep. And he's got like this gaping wound in his forehead. Yes. Why was that body left to be found? Why was yeah. that one not buried? You never find out why. No. I, I mean, especially if the cop's going to come by later, there are going to be a chief and two subordinate cops that come by because they find a dead body for the first time, as opposed to the other missing people, which they just write off as they were out on the town having a good night and they just haven't come back yet. Or they did and they've left already in the morning to do something fun. Who the fuck knows? But they're going to call the cops... Because they found a body just sitting out here. Now, you would think, because the cop says, oh, yeah, and he has a criminal record or whatever, he would have been a great scapegoat. And they could have saved the body for later. But nope. I guess maybe that's why it wasn't buried. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But we meet Chief Polanski. Mm-hmm. And, and the two subordinate cops. He is, like, yelling at these girls, like... There might be others, you might be in trouble, like, your friends might be dead and you're not telling us where they are, which leads him to talk to Nancy, because Nancy's like, you're scaring me, and he will go, and he will hold her face in his hand. Really awkwardly. Really awkwardly, for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. He will not let go of this girl's face, and she seems fine with it, and everyone seems fine with it, and I'm just like, written by a man. Written by a man. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it's supposed to come off as like this fatherly figure who cares about the purity of this young woman who he's going to treat like a daughter. She's so beautiful and innocent. But like nowadays, that kind of framing is really fucking creepy. This guy knows nothing about women. Uh-huh. And has never pleasured a woman. <laughs> come on. That's unfair. This guy knows nothing about women. He just, he just, he's writing tropes because that's all he knows, I think. And he, he's kind of creating tropes in many ways, but he just has these scenarios. And like I say, it has no soul. Like we're just going from thing happening to thing happening here because that's what the movie does. There is no driving force to this movie. So anyway. After this rousing speech about death and, and fear... The maid says, I know what we need. A, a good hearty meal. And at the time, before you know it's her, you're like, what the fuck is up with this chick? And it's because she, it's her. And then you realize this later and you're like, oh. At some point, Kelsey did say, my, my very next note says, Kelsey mentioned it must be Mrs. Jensen now. Mm-hmm. You realize that it's her and you're just like, oh. So that's why the picture was there. It wasn't a red herring. They just wanted to tell me it was her? Yeah. Very stupid. So I guess Melody is just fine with just, you know, having sex with a different guy every night and doesn't care that she's, well, I guess she understands that her friend is going to go and have sex with the cop for some reason. Yeah. She's all into TJ now. Yeah, now she's into TJ, so it's okay that Alex is now going to sleep, well, go after Nancy. Yeah, because Leah is going to sleep with the cop, and then TJ is going to catch Leah with the cop, and then be like, <laughs> now I can have sex with Melody guilt-free. Mm -hmm. And so all of that happens, and the other cop is just patrolling around. So, like, everyone kind of switches up. And in a movie where it's hard to keep track of everyone anyway, that doesn't help. No, it does not. There is a cool shot of the shadow of Santa holding a knife. I, th I thought that yeah. was at least fun with the camera. <laughs> Tried something. Yeah. 
But yeah, then Leah, after having sex with the cop, is going to go to take a shower, and that's when she's going to find her friend's head in the shower head. After having sex with the cop. And then she's going to find that the cop's been stabbed, too, which doesn't make any sense. Because from what we saw, there was no way that the killer could have gotten up behind him, and yet the stab came from behind. So I had this written down. There's a couple things that happen in order. The patrol cop outside, not the one inside having sex with Leah. The one outside gets chopped in the face with an axe by Santa, who just saunters up to him, approaches from afar, holding an axe. They know there's a killer out, and the guy's just like, hey, what are you you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. And they walk up to each other within axe-swinging distance, and he chops him right in the face. So that cop is dead. Yep, bad. TJ goes off with Melody and assures her she doesn't have anything to worry about because he is a black belt in karate. We never see him use karate Ever. I think he's lying. He says he spent five years learning karate. That's, I looked it up. That's about how long it takes to get a black belt in karate. You're a master of karate. karate. And friendship. <laughs> uh, this is when I wrote down Jesus. This is a nothing movie. It just has no soul. And then I have Leah finds the head of her friend stuck by her neck to the shower head. The living cop, not the one who was just chopped in the face, but the living cop that she just slept with, then follows her into the bathroom by stumbling in and grabbing onto the door handle because he's falling over because there's a knife in his back. The killer Santa, though, when she turns around to see what's going on, is right behind her. So the logistics of how all this happened doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, I was very confused. And then she just screams... And cut away from the scene. Nothing happens. Why doesn't the killer kill her? Apparently, it's at this moment that Leah goes insane. And I don't know what the killer does. Do they do something to make her insane? Or are they just like, oh, she's responding. She's shrieking. She's lost her mind. I'm just not going to kill her. Why? I don't know. Because they wanted the cool effect of having a dancing ballerina who's insane. Yes, they wanted the crazy person. I understand that. But why would this killer not kill her? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, it it really doesn't. They just wanted to have the set piece of a crazy ballerina who will be dancing around the rest of this movie until the very last shot. And it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> yes, it's fucking great. And you're just like, thank God there's something entertaining. Something, something, yes. Now, while TJ is outside with Melody and they're kissing, sorry, TJ is kissing Melody's fingers outside by a tree. A garrote just like dangles down. Oh my God. No, we need to talk about that. That makeout scene went on forever. Uh huh. I was like, why are we just watching these people make out? <laughs> like I said, then he's like kissing her fingers and stuff. It's like oh, going on yes. for a okay, long time. Okay, so they have to set it up so that he can be choked to death. So they're in this bizarre position uh-huh. where he's just like admiring her fingers. <laughs> and you can tell that whoever is responsible for holding this garrote from off camera just above it is like struggling to get it around the neck while this is and they're trying to ignore that there's this thing that's very obviously dangling and there would physically be a person above them now here's the problem it's so stupid and this is how you know for certain aside from all the timing inconsistencies that in order for there to be a single killer they would have to teleport because that killer had to already be in the tree when tj and melody went out there But TJ and Melody were already out by the tree when the killer is upstairs with Leah. 
When I really noticed it, it's coming up here at the end. I really noticed it with the fucking plane. I was like, yes. how on yes. earth? <laughs> oh, I was writing that down too. So I wrote down, Santa teleported into the tree, apparently. <laughs> Melody and TJ were outside talking, blah, 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 blah. And then Santa just lets Melody run away. Strangles TJ. And then Melody runs away. And, and guys, he just lets her. It's it's a revenge kill. It's supposed to be about the girls right. who killed the TJ girl. had nothing to do with but it. But these murderers seem only concerned with the people that have nothing to do yeah. with this girl's death. Obviously, they're freaked out because now the killer is on the premises. Alex, who hasn't been much of a presence this entire time, remember, he's the nerd virgin who's now a man, hasn't had much of a presence the entire time, shows up to do one thing, which is try to make a phone call and call the police because now the killer is here, the cops are dead, they found the head on the shower head, all of that. It is that precise moment that he decides to pick up the phone that Santa cuts the phone line. Mm-hmm. Because Santa's psychic, apparently. That's right. I wrote down, I guess Leah is just insane now. Yes. That's convenient. Yes. Santa attacks them inside, because Melody's run inside at this point. And the creeping music that's playing when they're being stalked or whatever, or trying to hide, doesn't change at all when Santa attacks them. It's still the creeping stalking music during an action scene, <laughs> when he's actually attacking them. I love when she runs in and she's just like, oh my God, we're going to die. We're all going to die. And then Melody. the nerd slaps her. Yes. I had to stop her screaming. Yes. Oh my God, we're going to die. We're all going to die. Pull yourself together. I had to stop her screaming. Oh my God. I, I didn't have that written down because I asked you if you wrote it down. Did you write that down? Yes. Uh, so it, Melody runs away. Alex is gone by the time Santa has attacked these two girls. Leah is dancing around insane. <laughs> you were dancing in the corner, idiotically. <laughs> you were in the back, dancing, idiotically. This is when Mrs. Jensen reveals herself to Laura. So, remember, Alex has disappeared somewhere. And we don't know where, I guess... Like, he slapped yeah, Melody. I was starting to wonder, is Alex, like, her son? Yeah, is he like, the other killer and he's part of the revenge or whatever? part of it. That might have been but, a little bit more interesting than what we get. Yes. So he slaps Melody, and then he runs off. I don't know if that's when he, he tries to make the phone call. I don't but know, he's but just gone for most of the rest of this movie. Melody is running to the plane. Yes, so Melody leaves, but this is when Mrs. Jensen reveals herself to Nancy. You killed my baby. She you explains, gave her drugs. Yes. Leah, meanwhile, the whole time this conversation is happening, is still dancing around them. Hilarious. And then, Hilarious. And then Nancy hits her with something and then runs off confirming nothing. I wasn't there. I didn't even know her. This is my first year here. You right? were there. So obviously Mrs. Jensen is just insane and is killing indiscriminately at this point. Yes. She hits her and, and like, she gets pushed behind or whatever. So she gets pushed out of the way. And that's important because at this point in the movie, you still don't know that there are two killers. So all of a sudden, when the Santa is in the plane, you're just yes. supposed to think that she somehow ran got all up, the way to the plane. Ran all the way to the plane. Melody got there. Yes. So Melody reaches the plane. And this is the second night. It's now... First light, dawn in the morning. By the way, terrible music this entire movie. Yes. Terrible still terrible. Music. There's going to be even a worse music cue coming up still a little bit later. She finds him in a sleeping bag, sleeping underneath one of the wings. 
which I guess was what. What is he doing this whole time? <laughs> Kicking rocks, masturbating. <laughs> what is he Flying doing? Around? I don't know. So two nights now, he's just been hanging out by this plane with no contact from these young men as to when they're ever coming back. <laughs> and he stuck around for two nights. Remember, this is before cell phones. Can you imagine? Remember when you were supposed to meet somebody somewhere before <laughs> cell phones and you just had to count on the fact that they were going to show up? Yep. And if they were late, you were like, what the fuck do I do now? <laughs> Do I just stay here? How long do I stay here? Are they at the other side of the mall? Like what? You know what I mean? Like I think by the time I was like fully going places by myself, like uh -huh. without any any relation to my parents or anything, I had self I had a cell phone at that point. Mm -hmm. But there were definitely I mean, you know, in middle school, I remember having to go and that awkward uncomfortableness of just just gonna stand here. Yep, just stand there with nothing. Here. <laughs> right. I mean, you might stand there for like half an hour. This guy's here for two nights. No idea if or when they're ever coming back. Anyway, she convinces him, everyone's dead. We're gonna leave, and we are gonna leave Nancy behind too. I have written down here that her name is Laura, and I don't know why, because she's obviously credited as Nancy. So It'll be interesting. Melody convinces him that everyone's dead and that they need to get out of here on the plane. They're dead. They're all dead. Everyone. Uh-huh. And he says when he tries to start the plane and it doesn't start. I can't remember what it was that he said is wrong with the plane. Generator. But in order to fix it, he goes into one of the rotors. Because this has two rotors, one on each wing. So Santa kills them both. By turning on the plane. Now, excuse me, I'm sorry, what? I thought the plane couldn't start. I thought that's the whole reason he was in there. But I guess maybe he fixed it at that exact moment. And then Santa starts the plane and then kills them both. It's real dumb. With that rotor. And then I wrote down, she's immediately back in the house again. She must teleport. This movie is terrible. I no, wrote, there's two killers. I wrote down, why has she still not killed this chick? I wrote down, she's stalking Nancy now through the house. And I wrote down, Nancy, who apparently has just been running laps around the house the whole time after she hit her and knocked her out. I don't know. I don't know. What has Nancy been doing this entire time? Trying to help the girl that's just dancing around. Now, remember, I thought it's the same killer. I just thought it's a bad movie, teleporting killer, goes out to the plane, kills Melody and the dude, and then comes back to stalk Nancy. I'm wondering, what the fuck has Nancy been doing? <laughs> so anyway, this is when they get into a struggle, and when they do, the music just completely stops. And then it starts again when Nancy gets free, and she's walking around, not knowing where Santa is. The music starts back up again, and I wrote down, that's backwards. If you want to increase tension when Nancy doesn't know where the killer is, silence. And then the epic music, once we know all the information, Santa's there and they're fighting. But no, silence during the fight, tense music <sighs> during the search around not knowing where Santa is. It's a little bit backwards. And of course... The movie's terrible. What does Nancy do? So predictably. Now remember, Nancy wasn't here. Two years ago. She just happens to run out on the balcony where the girl died. Yes. She just happens just to. Happens to. And I wrote down, gee, 
I wonder what's going to happen. And then as Mrs. Jensen comes chasing after her and she's hiding on the other side of the door, she comes, she reaches the door out onto the balcony. And then we get an immediate flashback to her daughter falling off the railing and screaming. And we hear Mrs. Jensen scream and then see Mrs. Jensen fall. So we never see Mrs. Jensen go over the railing. Did she just run <laughs> off the railing? Now, keep in mind, Nancy's hiding behind the wall. Mrs. Jensen can't see her. So is she just running full force at the railing with no one in front of her? Oh, I thought you were going to say, did maybe she push her? Over? Yeah, that's the other question. <laughs> if that's not what happened, then did Nancy push her? We don't know because we don't fucking see it. Yeah, they do not show us. It is an ambiguous ending. No explanation for how Mrs. Jensen fell. <laughs> it's up to the imagination. Yes. Meanwhile, Leah is still crazy and dancing around singing la-di-da. Then we get another Santa as Nancy is inside laying down distraught and Leah's dancing next to her. We get another Santa come into the house carrying a Santa. Mrs. Jensen lays her down on the ground and she's dead. And then you killed my wife. You killed our daughter. This is Polanski, the chief. Why the fuck don't they have the same last name? <laughs> Why none of these women recognized Polanski when he showed up? Because their housemate, their sister died they would have met the fucking parents no mention that mrs jensen is her mom no mention that polanski is her dad no mention that they're married fucking nothing this movie is just pulling shit out of its ass now why they decided to wait two years after the death to kill all these girls i yes. don't know why not the first year i don't know <laughs> now kelsey what are we forgetting we have mrs jensen Dead on the floor, Polanski, who's revealed himself to be the second killer and the husband of Mrs. Jensen. We have Nancy distraught laying on a fainting couch, and we have Leah dancing around insane. So these four people, this is the scene, and then Polanski is going to attack Nancy. Oh. What are we forgetting, Kelsey? Alex. Where the fuck has he been? <laughs> no idea, but he comes back with a crossbow, and shoots Polanski in the back. That's right. Why does this finishing school have so many weapons? Is <laughs> one of my notes here. And then I write down, this is my last note of the movie. Alex and Nancy get out of there. Leah is still crazy. Credits. There's a couple things we have to say here. Okay, go ahead. So, distraught Nancy begs... Alex, hold me. Take me away from here. Mm -hmm. But as they're leaving, she realizes, oh shit, Leah's up there. Leah! And he goes, no, 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 don't worry. We'll send someone back for her. Oh my god. Yeah. He's like, don't worry, it's over. We'll just send someone back for her. This uh -huh. girl should not be left alone no, right now. she absolutely sh shouldn't. And... We know how good they are at confirming kills. And it ends uh, with a freeze frame uh -huh. of her of Leah mid-dance. Dancing. But her singing continues. Yeah. And, and then, then you might credits. be thinking, well, that's going to go over the credits. No. Uh -huh. Once the credits start, a different song starts. Yep. That would have been interesting. What are these choices? What are these decisions? Now, remember, Terror Train, Prom Night, Friday the 13th, all came out this year. 
but after this movie. They all ripped it off. I do not believe that. They all saw the underlying genius. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, Kelsey. Yes. What do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? Keeping in mind, there is only one professional review, so this is an audience score. 49. 19%. There you go. The one professional review is from Tim Brayton from Agony and Ecstasy, who gave it a 3 out of 10. Maybe. Who said, not just a crummy slasher film with a flimsy holiday theme and crudely inflated body count, it's the crummy slasher film, etc. <laughs> Horror Talk is another negative review that's not on Rotten Tomatoes who said that it comes with a reputation for establishing the rules of the slasher subgenre. Don't think that's the case. I mean, Black Christmas came before this movie, but this had more of the tropes that we would see in later films. It goes on to say, it is true that Hess and company have lucked into leading the pack of slashers that followed for the next couple of decades. Unfortunately, many of these successors handled the material more competently and have left this film behind for many a clear reason. Yeah. Very, very much so. I mm -hmm. think that's a perfect assessment of the the impact that this movie had. Mm -hmm. It lucked into leading the pack. <laughs> anyway, 19% audience score. Do you think that's overrated or underrated? Maybe slightly underrated. Really? What would you give it? Leah dancing around, man. I was just like, I don't know what's going on, but so it's bizarre, hilarious. And it comes out of nowhere, and it's almost too little too late. <laughs> if we could get some sort of peek into her sanity breaking, some sort of explanation as to what happened when Santa <laughs> confronts her, and then it cuts away, and then the next time we see her, she's dressed like a dancer and dancing around. Like, it's too much of a jump to even be funny. And I will say this about Ginger Dead Man later. There is a difference between stupid and stupid and clever. Like silly, clever, you know what I mean? Like this is not clever in any way. It just sort of happens into things that are interesting. But what would you give it? Give it a 22. I was just going to give it a straight 20. Okay. But I'm glad you didn't go too high. <laughs> give it a 22. Just a straight 20. Made me laugh. I was exasperated nearly the whole time with just like, what is this movie? It doesn't like, it's difficult to explain why I think it doesn't have a soul. Like I watch similar things happen. Well, perfect example is the flashback scene in the very beginning. You can't see anything. You can't tell what's going on. It lasts 10 seconds. There's a bad prop and you have no idea what the context is. And you have no idea what the impact of it is until the end of the movie. That's another thing. I do love pranks gone wrong movies. I'm tired of them. I love them. But this was an early one. This is a progenitor. Slaughter High yeah. and Killer Party were way after this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Graduation Day. Is that before this? Slaughter High is way after. Killer Party is the same year as Slaughter High, 86. Graduation Day was the next year, in 1981. Is that the one with the fencing sword through the football? Yes. Is that Graduation Day? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, you know, I got a soft spot. For those sorts of movies. Well, these are all, this is what slashers were for 10 years. I love, I love 80s slashers. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know it's a big genre of yours. So that is to all a good night. I really hope that we 
talking about this movie, like it's this weird sort of perverse hope. I, I hope it made you want to watch this movie because we were having so much fun talking about it. But I need to stress, <laughs> don't watch it. It's bad. It's not worth it. It's bad. Okay. Now that we got that out of the way, let's move on to our modern Christmas horror movie. Do we have to? We do. From 2005, recommended by T.G. Rhyme. Thank you, T.G. Rhyme. I don't know if I should say thank you. <laughs> Ginger Dead Man, directed by Charles Band, <laughs> written by William Butler and Dominic Muir, starring Gary Busey, Robin Sidney, Ryan Locke, Alexia Ailman, and Margaret Bly. Starring Gary Busey? It's a bit of a strong word. Right. So... Gary Busey is going to be in one scene that he's going to voice the ginger dead man. Might as well not. Right. He says practically nothing. And you can barely tell movie, that it's him. And he's mumbling the entire time. Is he drunk throughout the making of this movie? I, I don't know. He might have been clean by this point. Because he got like super religious. He got like in a motorcycle accident or something. I think that was before this. And then he got like super religious and clean and all that. I don't know how he's doing now. But you know, he had, he had his own reality show and all of that. So Gary Busey was like kind of hot stuff at the time for sort of like exploitative comp content. I feel like he owed somebody money. Uh, who knows? I mean, they get these sorts of, I mean, I hate to say bad things about Full Moon. They're responsible for a lot of iconic things in horror, but you know the type of content they create. So just keep that in mind if you know anything about Full Moon. Did Full Moon do Jack Frost? So back in our episode on Puppet Master, which they did. They did Puppet Master? Yeah, it was like their first We liked movie. Puppet Master. Yeah, but that's about as good as it's ever going to be. And we also talked about, if, if you want to listen to the Puppet Master episode, we talked, I think I remember talking about how Full Moon isn't the same Full Moon now as it was before. It's gone through several iterations. They've been Full Moon Productions, Full Moon Entertainment, Full Moon Studios, Full Moon Pictures, Full Moon Features. Now, Full Moon Features is what they are to this day. And Full Moon Features is what made, you know, Ginger Dead Man and the new Puppet Masters, Evil Bong, our friend Bobby played the Ginger Dead Man in Ginger Dead Man versus the Evil Bong. We haven't seen it. We don't know. Yeah. Sorry, Bobby. I mean, it sounds terrible. <laughs> I've seen so much shit you've done. I've never watched that movie. And I couldn't tell you why. But he'll be on uh, next month sometime. Yes. So we can ask him then about it. But yeah, you know the type of movie that they create. I think the only thing we've watched that they've done is Puppet Master. Okay. What is Ginger Dead Man about? It's Chucky, but with a gingerbread man. Uh-huh. A killer gets reincarnated into... Without any of the scares. Uh-huh. Without any of the thrills, suspense. It's just a lot of time spent watching 20-something, 30-something folks wander around an after-hours factory bakery... And, like, that's the entire movie. It's so boring. You can see it if you have a subscription to Full Moon's streaming service. Or if you have, if you want to watch it on Tubi, you can watch it for free. And There's also 
a Elvira version that you can watch as well. You can rent it for three to four dollars, buy it for seven to twenty. I want to get that out of the way. Let's continue talking about whether or not people should watch it. Okay. No, you should not watch it. I mean, at the very least, like, okay, obviously, after the first Chucky movie, it becomes ridiculous how he keeps getting reincarnated, right? Yeah, uh uh-huh. But, like, at the very least, it kind of makes, at least you understand that there is a doll being made. Why is she making this gigantic one, by the way, just one gingerbread man? Out of a whole load of gingerbread. And it's just, it's this giant gingerbread, Why? No, we're not going to give you a reason. No explanation. Also, we're going to make it with blood that got spilled in it that we somehow didn't see. And his ashes. Oh, well, yeah, but that we didn't know about that till later. I can buy that. There's a whole subplot. Yeah, there's a whole... It's so fucking stupid, but uh, there's a whole subplot going on here, but... With his mom, who we never meet or never see, but she's, like, in the background of the story, and it's honestly... A little bit intriguing, but I know when she enters into the movie series later, which you know she's going to, you're going to be really disappointed. I don't know. I haven't seen any of the next ones, but I'm like, but I'm like, ooh, I want to know who his mom is, but I just know when I find out I'm going to be so pissed. I just love that she knew that she was planning on making a gigantic gingerbread man. Right. Like the Because she's not surprised at all when she gets the gingerbread seasoning. She's just like, yeah, chill, dude. This well, is they were expecting, expecting gingerbread but seasoning. I'm saying. So where's that seasoning? Where's the real seasoning? I don't know. I also love that it required um, a delivery man wearing a black cloak. Well, and here's the question. Otherwise, you wouldn't know it was nefarious. If it also required human blood, what was the point? Of sending the ashes disguised as seasoning. Well, the ashes needed blood mixed with it, but I don't know how the grandma um, foretold right. that blood would how be spilled on it. How would she have known? It. Or that these people would make a cookie with blood in it. Like, what if she was? What if she made a series of Christmas tree and candy cane gingerbread? You know, like what? Then we have a haunted little three-inch. It's candy cane? a ridiculous plot, and you would think. With a ridiculous plot like this, you would think it's going to be crazy, nutso, ridiculous, hilarious. But it's not. So this goes back to the point I was making before. We are not daft. We understand that silly can be fun. But like I said before, it needs to be clever. This is not clever in any way, shape, or form. Even when I'm like, oh, that could be fun. It's executed poorly. If you remember back to Jack Frost, unfortunately, they had to put a fucking rape joke in it. Of course Uh they did. But if it weren't for that, like, the movie wouldn't have been bad. Like, we understood that it was ridiculous. Right. But it had funny moments. We are capable of enjoying silly horror movies like that that are just trash. This does not have that. Like, like, uh, for instance, a movie that doesn't accomplish it very well, Thanksgiving. Oh, it's terrible. This feels like it's not quite as obnoxious as Thanksgiving, but it's more boring. It's way more boring. Way more boring. Like, you would expect a movie called Ginger Dead Man to just be filled, chock full of the Ginger Dead Man running around making one-liners as he you kills a ton of people. You hardly ever see him. You hardly ever see him, probably because they couldn't afford Busey that much. And he kills, like, two people. Yeah. The entire movie. Yeah. If that. Wait, who does he? he? Yeah, he kills two people. 
I was expecting it to be a rampage. Kind right. of like, what was the one where Santa went on a rampage? Santa sleigh. Yeah. I was uh-huh. expecting to be Santa sleigh. Now, I did, not, I did not enjoy uh-huh. Santa sleigh, but I was expecting it to have that kind of momentum. Right. And yeah, it doesn't a, have that. It's a laugh a minute. No, this is really quiet, really slow. And then you never fucking see the title character. Let us let us tell you, the one saving grace of this movie, its runtime, depending on who you ask, is either 70 or 71 minutes. You do not even get introduced to the living gingerbread man until 24 minutes into a 70-minute movie. And let me tell you, that 70 minutes includes the credits. So don't watch this movie. Again, even as a curiosity. Maybe. This is a maybe as a curiosity. No. I would say. No, we got to remember, these are like horror buffs that are listening to this. They might like it as a curiosity. That's why I say maybe. If you're desperate to see what we're talking about, yeah, fine. It's 70 minutes of your day. But again, not even that. You know, it will it won't take much of your time. You can watch it on a lunch break. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not that big of an investment. But really... It's not good, so it's not worth watching. No. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2005's Ginger Dead Man. In a quiet bakery, one woman is about to confront her past. We gotta fight back. An unforgivable act of violence. It also says here that after they fried him in the chair, they cremated him and sent his ashes to his mother in Coonsboro. Something else was just left at the back porch, too. Hmm. Must be that gingerbread season. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, heck! An unholy curse. <laughs> what is that fucking I think I know what. I mean, who it is. It's me, Raptor! Why'd you come and get me? A new kind of cookie. What the hell is that? But it sure ain't the Pillsbury fucking dope boy. Who are you? You are! Run, run, as fast as you can. Something's in the oven, the ginger dead man. Evil never tasted so good. Eat me, you punk bitch! All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Ginger Dead Man begin? With Gary Busey robbing Cadillac Jacks, killing people left and right, but then for some reason not killing a woman? Yes, it's weird. So, first of all, Cadillac Jacks is in L.A., but this is all going to be taking place in Texas for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, like his mom, his mom taught him to always finish what he started, and he needs to honor his mother, he says, which is compelling. And I'm required to do what my mother always taught me, and that's to finish what I started. And I'm not going to kill you, but I have to honor my mother. But it does nothing to the movie except for the fact that it it, it introduces that he has a mom, which I could have just fucking assumed. (laughs) But yes, he also doesn't want to hurt or kill a woman. But he killed a woman in the very first shot. A girl was screaming and crying and he killed her. Shot really? her. Really? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No sense. But he shoots her to harm her. He's like, you'll live. 
But I gotta finish what I started. I gotta finish what I started, which is why I have to shoot you, but I uh-huh. don't want to kill you. And they do not explain why he doesn't want to kill her. Except that later he'll allude to the idea that, oh, I didn't kill you because you weren't trying to stop me. Neither was the woman who was crying and screaming in the very first shot that you killed. Right. Right. Totally. But right immediately before this, he did kill her father and her brother. But she ends up living and the cops show up and he gets caught. This is the most dialogue we're going to get out of Gary Busey for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and this scene feels like it goes on for way too long because he keeps repeating himself over and over again. Yeah. And then he kills him with the tiniest knife. Oh, the the brother. Yes. Tiny, tiny, like tiny. Tes- oh, here's the gun. Take the gun if you're such a man. And then he has a knife. And yeah, he kills him that. It's like a little pocket knife, like a tiny little pocket knife. Apparently, Gary Busey was paid $25,000 for this role. And he put in... $25,000 worth of work. I wouldn't say this is $25,000 worth of work. Considering that that was a lowball offer for Gary Busey that he was not expected to take. And they were surprised when he did. Yeah, I'd say he did. It's a it's a lowball amount relative to what I'd they like would have expected to pay. $25,000 for one day's work. Totally. I 100% agree with you. But people aren't going to come and watch a movie because you're in it. They will because Gary Busey is. The production design on this movie is almost... Non-existent? Well, like, certain things are just strange, like the 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 sign for the bakery. Yeah. I'm like, are we going to go for, like, a expressionistic idea? No, everything is normal on the inside. So the production was just all over the place. Well, because they filmed in real places. That um, was a real bakery sign? No, the sign was fake, but oh. the place was real. So they had to put up a fake sign and they just painted something by hand, didn't hire any professionals and slapped it up there on the cheap is my point. This, I think, is the El Gallo Bakery in Los Angeles. Now, the inside that looks like it's a industrial bakery that could not fit inside the building that we see is the Bender Baking Company in Los Angeles again. But, hey, this is Texas. (laughs) She says happy birthday to her brother. She's sad because he says he's not going to spend his 21st birthday with her. And she's, like, honoring the fact that he wanted to go to a stripper club. Whoever you are up there, I hope they have strippers and Lone Star. He wanted to spend it at the titty bar. (laughs) Can you blame him? Why is she so proud of the fact that her brother wanted to go and see strippers on his 21st birthday? Yeah. But we have like a two-second explanation of what happened. We see that Gary Busey was killed, and he says over that picture of him dying, like, I'll get you even after death. Uh Uh-huh. I'll get you for this. Even from beyond the grave, because my mom was a witch in Coonsboro. You are finished. So that is our way of knowing that he plans to get her from beyond the grave, which I guess he has that power. I don't know. Well, his mom is a witch. The plan is that she's going to send the ashes of her dead son in the gingerbread seasoning uh-huh. that she somehow knew they had ordered, uh-huh. so they would not be surprised when it came there. It had to be delivered by a guy in a black cloak, otherwise you wouldn't have known that it was magical. Then they 
have this seasoning and she knew they were going to use it for a giant gingerbread, just one. Again, like we said, it could have been just like candy canes and Christmas trees. And it required blood to be spilled in there, which she was banking on the fact that there would be blood. And she was banking on the fact that somehow the people who are bleeding aren't going to notice that their blood falls into the mix of the gingerbread. And then they'd still use it. As a result, because they didn't notice it. Because, okay, so we have our main character, the one who was shot at the beginning. This is Robin Sidney playing Kelsey, Sarah Lee. Yeah, I noticed that too. But it's L-E-I-G-H. So it's not as obvious, because, you know, you see it spelled out Yeah, exactly, because you hear it being spelled out. But you you do see the Lee name in various places. But, like, Sarah Lee, the corporate bakery owner his name is jimmy dean like come on anyway sarah lee is working with the butcher baker the butcher baker now it's time to meet your maker prepare to face the butcher baker for tonight your ass is toast because he is a wrestling fan and he's going to go to wrestlepalooza which was amateurs night it was a real thing that ecw put on wrestlepalooza but there were only four of them and they stopped in 2000 so i think they just came up with a name and didn't realize that it was a real thing that's hilarious Uh, but yeah amateur night where they would just let amateurs wrestle there was no way in shit that would be a thing i'm sure it exists somewhere Uh, that's what spider-man did that's the worst idea yeah and that was made up in the 60s or whatever right like bone saws ready bone saws ready ready. the insurance liability is insane but so if you thought oh that means we're gonna get a fun wrestling scene no No, we get barely one wrestling move later on in the movie. But anyway, that's not the point. They're talking. His name is Brick. So every time they say it, it sounds like she's saying prick. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Jonathan Chase is the actor. And he cuts himself somehow. I don't remember. And then I wrote down in my notes, quick, quick, put your fresh open wound over the seasoning barrel. Yes. (laughs) And uh, again, the acting is abysmal in this movie. Just again, just... Movie after movie after movie of just shitty acting. Ugh. Yeah. And so he's going to go and she's going to make the gingerbread man with this really weird cookie cutter. This giant cookie cutter. Yeah, I wrote down the props and the set are so bad. Every single set and prop just looks like the production company had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. I mean, the set is basically an undressed bakery slash industrial bakery. I also love that it only took two years to put a guy on death row to death. Right, yeah, uh-huh. Bullshit. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, it takes a very long time. Uh-huh, and for good reason. Did you understand that the drunk woman was supposed to be her mother? I did, yes. I did not understand that. I was just like, oh, now we have a drunk woman with a shotgun shooting at the people across the street for some reason. This is Betty Lee. So she is shooting... Because her husband and her son were both murdered two years ago, and she obviously spiraled. She is firing a shotgun across a street at a banner, shooting it down. And this is where we get introduced to her competition, Jimmy Dean, who owns this place across the street. And is in a year's time is going to open up the world's greatest bakery in the middle of buttfuck Texas. Yeah. Like, okay. And it's going to put them out of business. Uh-huh. It- It's the story of You've Got Mail. Right, yes. (laughs) 
So this is how we get introduced to Jimmy Dean and his daughter, Lorna, who's going to be antagonistic towards our main character, Sarah. And, you know, vague, threatening, we're going to put you out of business and you can't stop us. But apparently the daughter has a real plan to do this. Yes. By putting a rat in their bakery, which she will get caught doing, which she made her trusting, I guess, boyfriend? I don't know. Sometimes they say he's her boyfriend. Sometimes they don't. They're just going out on a date that night. And he was going to, he drove her there because she said she was going to drop off some paperwork or something like that. And instead, she drops off the rat. And so when Sarah catches her and is like, and then eventually this guy, Amos, played by Ryan Locke, comes in. Amos Cadbury, like the eggs. Uh, He comes in and he's really disappointed in Lorna. But he's like the bad boy, you know, do nothing in a small town, driving a beat up. But the main Sports girl code. likes him because they knew each other when they were young. Yes, they were friends when they were young and they, you know, pulling pigtails flirted. Oh, we should probably say that Betty was sent home with Julia, who is another person that works at this bakery. Something to do with them being there and the oven turning on finishes the spell. I don't know. It's very unclear. Something to do with them being there causes Gary Busey Lorna to come to life. Lorna sees something in there and is like, oh my god. And they don't believe her. But so they end up seeing it too, but they're they're in total disbelief. They're just like, it had to be fake. This is a gag. Someone is messing with us. But not not the not the rich guy's daughter. She is all about like a black magic. I've used a Ouija board. She says, it told me this really long story, and the guy's like, it spelled that entire thing out for you, which at least that was kind of funny. It was this message from this dead girl named Rosalind, and she told us that some psycho had killed her and cut her up into pieces and then wrapped it in tinfoil and then mailed it off all across the country to her relatives. It spelled all that out for you? This was the first time that we saw the ginger dead man, like, animated and everything. So, like, the first time he makes his appearance is 24 minutes into a 70-minute movie. And then what he's going to do most of the time is just sort of mumble and stand there. You can barely understand what he's saying. Well, half the time he's not saying anything. He's just like... You can, you can barely tell it's Gary Busey. It's a stupid looking prop. Yes. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what anyone was thinking on the on this production. Uh-huh. So the bad boy is like, why do you guys want to leave so bad? If it's real, let's make some dough on it. Oh, my God. If that thing is real, I say we grab that motherfucker. And we take it in to Leno, Letterman. How much dough can you make from a talking cookie? Huh. Dough. Cookie. <laughs> Get it? So... You guys need to remember, they're in the back of a bakery. There is literally zero reason for them to ever stay. You just walk out the fucking door. You're not locked in. This isn't Amityville Playhouse. Thank God. Well, remember, honey, he put one booby trap on a door. One time. So they assume that they're all booby trapped multiple times. So, like, they basically just stay in this back warehouse looking area the entire goddamn movie I mean, with no motivation to do so. I mean, the Ginger Dead Man does leave at one point to kill the guy across the street, and you're like, why? Isn't his whole thing to get back at this girl? He right. seems more interested in killing all these other Everyone people else but her. than yeah, killing uh-huh. her. 
He leaves the bakery just to get in a car, just to run down this dude. And I'm like, oh, so you killed her competition for her. You actually did her a favor. Right. And then when Lorna goes outside to see that her dad is dead, was crushed by the car like in Christine, she gets really sad. Where does she go? The police? The hospital? Does she call 911? None of that. She goes back inside the bakery. So it's the whole entire movie. You're like, why don't you guys just open the door and walk out? Don't trip over a trip wire, which is what happens to Lorna when she gets a fucking knife to her head. Because there is one booby trap in the entire fucking movie, like you say. Just don't trip on a trip wire and just fucking leave. I also love that he was able to create this elaborate trap where a knife, again, a small knife, is able to go straight through her skull. If that was really set up that way and yeah. it was just swinging, wouldn't it just nick you and then bounce I off? I have no, I guess it would depend on how much pressure there is, but there isn't. Speed. It's just yeah. uh-huh. being hung there. But anyway, he's given up on all of his qualms, what little he had about killing women. I mean, because as you say, he killed a woman in the very beginning, immediately before he says, oh, I can't do it. He's going to attack Betty Lee, the mom, because she's going to come back. She's going to get away from Julia. She's going to come back and he's going to cut her fingers off and make some joke about finger food or something. Ever had a lady finger? Lady fingers. That's what it is. Never try a lady finger. But he technically hasn't killed any women yet since coming back as a gingerbread man. And then he kills Lorna. So, but the mom is screaming and they can't hear her. They never hear her or at least... They hear something and they're like, what was that? But it's, she's full on screaming because her fingers were cut off. So how big is this place for this little mom and pop bakery? I don't know. I don't know. The daughter of the rich guy, her whole thing is that she's really pretty. When her dad dies, she's like all upset that he's dead. And then she takes his ring and then she's still sad that he's dead. And I'm like, I don't understand the joke here. Is she excited to have the money or is she sad that he's dead i don't know yeah the character is all over the place at one point the ginger dead man goes after the rat and again i'm like why do you want to help the girl why don't you just want to kill the girl yeah i wrote down what is ginger dead man doing while they're living out this little drama so much of the movie is just them talking. Yeah, what is he running around doing? I don't know. I guess this is when he's building the booby traps. He, like, starts to, like, taunt the main girl, and he's talking about how she can't be afraid forever. Uh, and it's very confusing. You're just like, what is this conversation? Right. And then he, like, is baking the mom, but she's fine? Yeah. I asked, how did he carry the mom into the oven? And since they're all just stuck in this back room where this oven is... How did he get her back there without them seeing this gingerbread man who's a little who's overgrown for a gingerbread man, but a tiny little like foot tall person carrying an entire human being through this warehouse, opening the oven that you're right next to and then putting her in like when is all this supposed to be able to happen? And yes, she's in the oven. They see they freak out. They get her out and she ends up surviving. She has a few marks on her face. Yeah, mom's totally fine. There's, I think somehow the the main guy that she likes Amos. has a gun and he's yes. going to go after the ginger dead man, but the ginger dead man ends up getting the gun and shoots him after he gives this whole long monologue. I wrote this here. Amos, Amos Cadbury, he falls to the ground. He's injured or something. And the gun's next to him. And I think in all the hullabaloo, 
Sarah got tossed into the oven, right? And she was locked in there and, and, and she couldn't get out. Or that was how they were trying to help out the mom. I can't remember which. It's unimportant. He needs to get his gun and shoot the lock open, which is exactly what he does. He's like on the ground and he's you think he's passed out or whatever. And he's like, oh, the gun. He reaches for the gun, pulls off a perfect bullseye on this lock and then immediately uh, passes out. But everything's going to be okay because the butcher baker shows up. To eat the ginger dead man, but not just, you know, tear him apart. Actually, literally eat him so that he can then be possessed by the ginger dead men. That's right, folks. This movie is still going. I should probably point out. Now we don't have to. Now we don't even have Gary Busey. Yes, that's a great point. Should probably also point out something that we overlooked is that when Betty, the mom, showed back up, Julia came looking for her. And at some point, he didn't kill Julia. He just knocked her out and then covered her whole body with whipped cream and put cherries on her nipples. And then she comes back later just wearing the same clothes she was wearing before. No mess. Does she? Yeah. I thought she died that way. I thought no. that he put her in the blast chiller, and then they were like, let's take her out and just leave her on the floor. Yeah. No, they do, but she's not actually dead. Okay. No, no, no. She does come back. I wrote down, what happened to all the shit on Julia? Uh, yeah. Eat me, you punk bitch. But- Butcher Baker is no one's bitch. There's another face being licked, a woman getting her face looked just like in Leprechaun 3. There's a got milk or joke. Or two, I don't fucking know. Yes. When he when he eats the ginger dead man, he's, he burps and says, got milk. Save room for dessert because I'm coming back for you. He ends up getting pushed into the oven. Oh, give me some sugar, baby. When he licks her face. I'll give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> so we got an, uh, an evil dead reference. Yay. I'm so glad this reference evil dead. <laughs> give me some sugar, baby. He gets pushed into the oven. Yes. So then, jump forward in time. Also, how do you explain any of this? Your competition and his daughter are now dead <laughs> in your bakery. How do you explain any of this? But anyway, they're fine, and they're having a big bake sale to raise money for, like, the children or a hospital oh, or something. right. And yes. then somebody says, do you have any gingerbread men? And the kids... And they're like, no, we do not do gingerbread, man. <laughs> and then one of the like uh, n- nuns or nurses or whatever is like, oh, but this nice old lady showed up and brought these gingerbread men. And you're like, oh. Couldn't you just die? Yeah. Uh-huh. But nothing happens. And then there's a terrible song played over the credits. Okay, this is I Can't Help This. It is written and performed by Charles Band, the director of the movie. It's really, really bad. Uh, And you're just glad that the movie is fucking over. Also, you know how I said this is a 70 slash 71 minute movie? I also didn't mention at the beginning, it takes for fucking ever for, for the movie to get going. You know, there's this long intro scene. You don't even see Ginger Dead Man until 24 minutes into the movie. The last nine minutes of the runtime is the credits. Nine minutes. And they have to make the crawl go so slow in order to stretch it out for nine minutes. I assume to reach a certain feature length requirement or something. 
Probably, I assume so. We've talked about it in the past. Different institutions have different definitions of what feature length is. Some are in the 40-minute window. Some are in the 70-minute window. So, like, I, I assume that that's what he's going for. No other reason for the credits to be that long. Nine minutes. Reducing the length of your movie to just an hour. Anyway, I'm not complaining. I'm glad it's over. Right. One review, because there is no critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes. There were only four reviews. Three of them were positive. One of them, which gave it a 2.5 out of four, said, What makes Ginger Dead Man so watchable is just how amazingly stupid it is. This was Lucius Gore of E-Splatter. And I wrote down, yeah, it's stupid, but not clever stupid. Yeah, no. There is a clever kind of stupidity that you could really enjoy, and this is not that. This is not it. Someone made something, and then because they're like, yeah, we know this is stupid... And they didn't put any additional effort into th- into it or thought or anything. They're just like, ah, no, you're supposed to enjoy it. And if anyone criticizes it, we can just say that, they oh, you don't get, get it. it. Mm-hmm. It's just supposed to be stupid. So that means it's good. No, it's not an excuse for being a bad movie is I meant to be bad. No, you got to be bad in a clever way. Mm-hmm. There's also one review Bloody Good Horror said it's one of the shortest yet hardest to watch films I've ever seen. So even though it's short, it's hard to watch. It's very hard to watch. There is no Metacritic or Cinema score. What do you think its audience score is on Rotten Tomatoes, Kelsey? I would guess. Mm-hmm. 23. 28. Ha <laughs> ha Pretty dang close. Very close. Do you think that's overrated or underrated? Overrated. Yes, it Doesn't definitely is. It does not deserve that much. Because there were like two lines that made me laugh. And and it is better than Amityville Playhouse, which we gave zeros last week. I'm going to give it an 11%. I was going to give it 10. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it it's did. Just, made me laugh like twice. It has, like, they put the minimum amount of effort into it. I will give them that, and that's not saying much. Versus Amityville Playhouse, which they didn't even put in that much. Somehow, To All a Good Night is better than this. (laughs) Yes! Can you believe that? (laughs) To All a Good Night, to me, is a bad movie. It's really bad. But I don't think about it like, like, this is just a bunch of people who turned on some cameras and thought, wouldn't it be funny if we did this? At least To All a Good Night feels like somebody was trying to make a legitimate piece of art. (laughs) Horror, sure, but still, like, they're trying to make a film. This is just somebody that's like, oh, I got enough money and I can get enough people together. Let's make a movie about a killer gingerbread man. And that's all it is. And they they did a piss poor job of it. At mm-hmm. least To All a Good Night feels like a movie that you might see in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Just a bad one. Mm-hmm. This, not that at all. It feels very 2000s camcorder-esque. <laughs> So thank you, T.G. Ryan. We have finally watched Ginger Dead Man. I don't know that thank you is the right word. No, I think it's part of the zeitgeist. It it has a place in horror culture, and I'm glad I have experienced it, and I have no intention of ever experiencing it again. I'm glad I can make a listener happy. Right, totally. Anyway, you gave it 11, I gave it a 10. Thus ending our first Christmas week, Kelsey. But wait, there's more. But wait, 
Deja Well, next week is going to be so much better. So much better. Okay, so we've had some bad content here. Out of the last four movies we watched, the highest score we gave any of them was 60. And that is the highest by three times the next highest score. So we're going to have some good movies next week, Kelsey. Well, we have one we good movie. We have at movie, least one. And we have one that everyone said is good. We haven't seen, so we're, we have high hopes for. Mm-hmm. What's the classic film we're watching, Kelsey? The Nightmare Before Christmas! We are finally watching The Nightmare Before Christmas. Very excited to do Nightmare Before Christmas. Absolutely love it. Of course we know it's good. Yes. Second movie is a recommendation, and we've heard it's very good. Jeffrey, who's recommended movies in the past as well. Jeffrey, we are going to watch Anna and the Apocalypse. Yes, which I've heard very good things about. We'll see. It's a musical, right? Yes. So it's a musical week next week. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yes, musical Christmas horror mm-hmm. is what is what's happening here. Yes. We'll see. <laughs> we watch a lot of musicals in this household. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see if it's actually any good. (laughs) That is next week. Come back for a musical Christmas. Until then, you can find us at our website, podcemetery.com. Follow us on Twitter, at podcemetery. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review in your podcatcher of choice. The biggest help you can give us there is writing a five-star written review. Bigger than that is just sharing us with your friends. But even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Merry Christmas and happy holidays and all of that. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? $50,000 goes a long way at Walmart. I don't want to be buried in the bed. Cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. Fall addicted to the sacred place. The scene of dream I can't escape. Smoking some fangs. acting in this is real bad telling you it's not as bad because sorry fuck i'm an idiot the mute we have laura distraught on a fainting couch (laughs) and we have leah dancing around called her laura we have nancy distraught laying on a fainting couch